Hello and welcome to Reactive's Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evikiori and this week we are talking about the launch of a political dialogue between the EU and Switzerland in an attempt of the two parties to resolve continuous misunderstandings regarding the single market. We are also talking about the reaction of the Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis to a question asked by the Dutch journalist Ingeborg Bechel regarding the pushbacks in the Aegean, the rising questions about media freedom in Greece and the journalist's decision to flee Athens in order to protect herself. The Swiss foreign minister came to Brussels on Monday 15th of November to launch a political dialogue with the EU six months after the Swiss government decided to stop negotiations on a framework agreement between the two sides. And to shed some light on this story, I am joined by Euractiv's economy and jobs editor, Janos Aman, who loves talking about his home country, Switzerland. So, Janos, Switzerland is not in the EU, but nevertheless, it participates in the single market somehow. How did this come about? So, I think we have to start in 1992, when the Swiss people quite closely rejected the accession to the European economic area. And since then, Switzerland developed, together with the EU, a range of bilateral agreements that allowed it to participate in in the single market, nevertheless. These were negotiated in the 1990s, but uh, the EU now wanted to have a sort of an institutional framework around this because it was kind of a piecemeal. Switzerland and the EU have over 100 bilateral agreements by now together. What is the current state of play between the EU and Switzerland and why did the Swiss foreign minister came to Brussels on Monday? There's this ton of different bilateral agreements and the EU wants a framework around that, an institutional framework. So for seven years, the EU and Switzerland have been negotiating such an agreement. And in May 2021, the Swiss government stopped the negotiations and said we did not, uh, Switzerland did not want this framework agreement. This was taken really badly by the EU Commission who thought uh, that this was the way to go. And now uh, the foreign minister came here to kind of mend wounds and restart a political dialogue. You write on Euractiv.com that there are a lot of misunderstandings between the EU and Switzerland at the moment. Why is that? I think uh, Swiss politicians don't understand the EU and the EU Commission doesn't understand Switzerland. The Swiss politicians still have uh, a mindset of the EU from the 1990s. They still have the mindset of the bilateral agreements. But since then, the EU has developed quite a lot. I mean, uh, Mr. Shevchovic, who is now at the Commission responsible for um, for Switzerland, His country was not even part of uh, of the EU when Switzerland made all these bilateral agreements. So there's quite a lot of change and the EU has become way more political and it's not just an economic area anymore. And on the other hand, the EU has problems understanding how Switzerland uh, works. Right. And could you give us an example of an ongoing misunderstanding? Swiss government doesn't understand why, for example, it cannot now um, be part of the horizon. It cannot be associated to the Horizon Europe program and other programs like Erasmus+. Um, 
because it says it has nothing to do with, with uh, the single market and it would also pay and, and everything. But the EU says this is a political tool for the EU. They want to look at the whole relationship between the EU and Switzerland also to get more leverage over Switzerland. And this is something that, that Switzerland doesn't get. For example, now Turkey or Moldova have, uh, are associated to Horizon Europe, but Switzerland is not while Switzerland has some of the best universities in Europe. So this is not understandable from, from a Swiss perspective. And how can we expect this situation to develop in the future? The Commission has quite a clear idea of what it wants. It wants a clear plan uh, by January from, from Switzerland. It wants a, a solution to all these institutional questions. How will uh, Switzerland take EU law? How will it adapt itself to EU law? Or how could disagreements be managed? Uh, between EU and Switzerland. But the Swiss government cannot really deliver that, actually, because three of the four biggest parties in Switzerland are internally very divided on the issue of the, of the EU, and the remaining party is against the EU in total. So there is really no way at the moment of how this government could get to an agreement to, to develop ties with uh, with the EU and probably we have to wait until uh, general elections in 2023 until something moves in Switzerland. Thank you Janos for the insights and of course you can find everything on the negotiations on euroactive.com. You can also find Euractives beyond the Byline podcast in our podcast newsletter. Subscribe to it on euractive.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and AgriFood Brief podcast. And from the negotiations in Brussels, we fly to Athens, where things haven't been quiet uh, during the past few weeks and specifically after a question asked by the Dutch journalist Ingeborg Beuchel. Basically, the fellow journalist asked the Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis about the pushbacks in the Aegean. Now, the Greek Prime Minister found the question quite insulting and lashed out uh, at the journalist. To hear more on this, I am joined by Matheos Tsimitakis from Euractive Greece, who has been following the story. Mathe, these past uh, weeks, a whole discussion has been initiated in Greece after the visit of the Dutch Prime Minister uh, Rutte, when the Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis was asked about the pushbacks in the Aegean. So the reaction of the Greek Prime Minister was a bit unexpected, I would say. Uh, could you shed some light on what happened there? On November the 10th, uh, Ingeborg uh, Bögel, a Dutch journalist who, who is living in, in Greece for uh, years and years now as a correspondent, working as a correspondent for Dutch media, entered the Prime Minister's office to attend the press conference that followed Prime Minister Mitsotakis' meeting with his Dutch counterpart, uh, Mark Rutte. Ingeborg was uh, wearing this like big, uh, impressive like red hat and a red mask. And after the two leaders like finished their uh, remarks, uh, she uh, uh, took the microphone to ask a question. And what she actually did is that she she called Mitsotakis to finally stop lying about pushbacks and the situation of refugees in Greece. And she um, uh, actually said, do not insult my intelligence or the intelligence of all journalists in the world. There has been overwhelming evidence about pushbacks and you keep denying and lying. 
And then uh, Bergel accused Mitsotakis of, of narcissistic abuse. He also um, uh, talked to Rutte and said that Brussels has abandoned Greece. And addressing Mitsotakis, he said that, why haven't you, why didn't you just tell the truth that Brussels left us alone for six years, nobody did anything to relocate the refugees. So yes, accept that you're doing like brutal uh, pushbacks. Now Mitsotakis answered in an angrily manner, saying that, uh, that maybe the Netherlands has a, a culture of asking politicians direct questions. Uh, which, to my understanding, is you know not not the right thing to say, um, uh, and he says that he respects that very much, uh, but he thought that uh, Bergel was insulting, um, and he said that he would not accept that uh, she would go into his office and insult him or the Greek people, with what he said is accusations that are not supported by facts, uh, when uh, this country is facing a migrant crisis of unprecedented. Uh, intensity, uh, saving hundreds, if not thousands, people at the sea. Uh, now, I have to stress that this is not entirely correct. Uh, Greece is indeed, of course, um, facing like an unprecedented uh, migrant crisis for years and years now. And it is true that Turkey is, is uh, instrumentalizing or even weaponizing, in some cases, migrants, sending people or allowing people to get into dinkies and cross like a dangerous like dangerously the sea. Uh, but uh, the Greek Coast Guard uh, is uh, also has also been accused, and there's strong evidence to support the claim, that they actually put people back in the dinghies and pushed them back into the Turkish water. So that is a little different because during that uh, press conference, Mr. Takis actually admitted that uh, Greece is intercepting, as he said, uh, boats coming from Turkey as it's the country's legal right to do. And then he said that we're just, you know, waiting for the, Turk, the Turkish side to uh, uh, go and, and, and pick up those, uh, uh, those, those dinghies, those boats, take them back. Uh, but the, as I said, there's evidence that that's not the only thing that the Coast Guard is doing. There's uh, accusations by NGOs uh, that uh, the Greek Coast Guard is actively pushing people back into the boats, even when they're uh, on land, they, they put them back in the boats and push them Uh, back in the sea. And after that incident, supporters of the government attacked the Dutch journalists for insulting uh, the whole nation, apparently. Uh, could you tell us uh, what exactly happened and how did they react? I must say that that was uh, typical in the sense that um, anytime someone accuses like the nation, then uh, they get in the spotlight of um, uh, pro-government conservative media and, and also like troll armies on, on Twitter. And this is uh, what happened with uh, Ingeborg uh, Bergel as well. Um, to take things from like from, from the start, uh, she said that after she left the prime minister's office, she felt that she was being followed by someone, uh, although she could not uh, prove it. Uh, but uh, then, and she only... Um, went public about it like uh, yesterday. Uh, then she uh, she went back home and uh, uh, that same night, uh, a few hours later, she went out to take a walk and, and, and relax and she entered the supermarket. And what happened in that supermarket was that someone recognized her uh, because of the hat, the red hat, and actually took a stone and, and threw it at her. Uh, that uh, was not the only thing that happened. Uh, Bergel was attacked brutally on, on social media 
uh, and with like sexist and uh, uh, and uh, nationalist uh, uh, accusations, like calling her uh, Turkophile, uh, being a friend of the Turks, suggesting that she would not be able to uh, to do such a thing in in Turkey, which is a dictatorship. Um, uh, but it also went mainstream. Uh, like mainstream media also adopted the uh, the accusations. Uh, a defamation campaign started. Like uh, it was written in reports in newspapers that she um, she uh, rescues uh, like refugees because then the she uses them like for different things. Like she has two Pakistani migrants in her house, like carrying her shopping and that kind of stuff. And even like a prominent journalist, a prominent anchor, Nikos Hatzenikolaou, basically the prominent uh, anchor, said that she was a Turkophile, and but uh, she maybe she acted on on purpose. Um, of course, none of, none of that uh, is true. I mean, she um, uh, went on and said that something which makes sense that uh, in Turkey, like Turkish journalists and, and foreign correspondents have to do their job. They, their job is to check on the government. Uh, she insisted that the same should happen in Greece. Um, uh, and that although everybody knows that Turkey is exploiting migrants, uh, in the case of Greece, this is a taboo. Uh, so she so continued on the same like uh, argument about hypocrisy, which is like U- the European hypocrisy, but also the Greek hypocrisy around around the issue. Uh, and she suggested that the bigger the taboo is when you break it, the bigger the reaction you get. Um, so I have also to mention that despite the fact that many on social media, but also journalists uh, went on her defense, uh, the Journalist Union Association of Athens did not issue an announcement, uh, which I guess means that they, um, uh, they uh, do adopt the, the governmental uh, position. Now, uh, the Dutch journalist wants to leave Greece to protect herself. She talked to the media about it. And are there any reactions on that so far? And if so, what, what are these reactions? Yes, Ingeborg uh, Bergel uh, says that she is going to leave the country and that she uh, has taken that advice from the Dutch embassy, uh, the uh, Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the um, uh, Dutch Association of Journalists. Uh, the uh, reactions are coming from the Reporters Without Borders and uh, like the European Associations of Journalists who are standing by her side. And of course, what worries me the most is the fact that this incident isn't just sad, but it raises plenty of questions about freedom of speech and media in Greece. What is the situation with that? I have to add that besides uh, journalist organizations like the Reporters Without Borders and the Global Network for Independent uh, Journalism, uh, in defense of um, Ingeborg uh, Bergel or Bergel, uh, came like NGOs, like for example, like Human Rights Watch, and um, opposition uh, politicians, uh, mainly from the left. Uh, now, but the situation uh, of the freedom of speech and freedom of press in the country, um, maybe the the most accurate comment, um, the most like successful one was, the media did not. Uh, focus and did not put the spotlight on the accusations, but they put the spotlight on the journalist. So instead of actually um, uh, checking on pushbacks, they checked on the messenger. But uh, the situation in regards to the freedom of uh, speech is, I guess, average uh, on the European level, but the uh, situation in regards to the freedom of press 
is not very good. In the European Commission's uh, rule of law uh, yearly reports, Greece is mentioned, along with like, Hungary, Poland, Slovenia, uh, among the countries that are facing problems in regards to the freedom of the press. May I just point out a couple of cases, the Yoros Karayvaz, uh, a crime reporter who was brutally assassinated outside his home. Uh, the government uh, gave promises that it would um, uh, uh, rapidly uh, sort out the case. Nothing has happened, raising questions among journalist organizations uh, across the continent of why has justice and, and the police been so slow in this case. Uh, there was another uh, uh, very important case, um, the campaign uh, for COVID-19 uh, during the first and second wave was subsidized with more than 40 million euros and they were allocated in a non-transparent manner. Now, for many, this is similar to what happened in Austria, only in Austria it was a minor case of 1 million euros and uh, Sebastian Kurz uh, was not only taken down, um, uh, but he was also prosecuted in the case of Greece. Nothing happened. Um, uh, justice did not uh, work. Uh, and and uh, it was two waves of um, subsidies to friendly media, where, whereas uh, opposing media uh, were excluded. That is a, a common problem. Uh, like opposing media, uh, media that are uh, criticizing the government, do not have fair access to information. Well, thank you, Mathe, and our time is up for this week. I am Evi Kiori, and this was your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening. Music